The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. All right, we're continuing through the book of John. This morning we're in John 12. And uh, kind of as we've shared at the beginning of each one of our uh, messages through John, uh, it's a great book. As it ends, it says, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And uh, that's what I love about the book of John because it it's about us living, really living. And the way we can do that is because God, as John 1, 1 starts out, I mean, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word, in verse 14, says, moved into our neighborhood. It became, became flesh, became one of us. So God relating to us came so that he might give us life. So he understands. It doesn't matter uh, how we grew up or who we are or what we came from. God came to understand and relate to us so he could offer us life. So we're going to be in John 12, and I'd like to read it um, as we start. Verse 1 says, six days before the Passover. And this is, if you, if you catch that, that's the Passover when Jesus is going to be put to death. So we're entering now with chapter 12, the last days of Jesus' life um, leading up to his death and resurrection. So six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, which is just a few miles from Jerusalem, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And that happened in chapter 11, the chapter that Daniel preached on last week. A dinner was given in Jesus's honor. And Martha, Lazarus's sister, was one of the servers, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Uh, there's a couple of parallel passages in Matthew 26 and Mark 14 that indicates that where this dinner is actually taking place is at the home of, his name was Simon the leper. Uh, So a man uh, that was a leper all of his life, obviously Jesus healed him of his leprosy. So it's taking place at his home. Lazarus is there. And so this is a huge community celebration honoring Jesus for healing Simon for uh, bringing Lazarus back to life. And as I was reading this, it reminded me of uh, a dinner we put on in Jesus's honor when we lived in the Philippines among the Maginanao Muslims. We were in a, a farming village and the elders of the village had given us permission to have a feast in honor of Jesus and his coming at Christmas time. And so, very similar to this, this setting, we had the elders of the village were all seated uh, around uh, trays of food in our, on our living room floor, and then we had windows surrounding the whole living room, and then the, the whole village was, was looking on and watching as this ceremony took place, after which we had killed three goats, 
bag of rice. It was a it was a celebration of the whole community in honor of Jesus. It was the first time the people in our village had ever heard about Jesus, and uh, so it was incredible as we read the birth account of Jesus and and prayed and thanked God for honoring him. It it's exactly I think as this this community, this village of Bethany is just excited about the chance to honor Jesus who has healed Simon and raised Lazarus from the dead. And so with all of these people watching, I mean, realize this is everybody is there. This is the event. Mary, Lazarus's other sister, took a pint of pure nard an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But everybody wasn't happy. Verse 4, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. And again, just to give you the context, I think Judas is the ringleader here, but in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, it also indicates that the rest of the disciples also chimed in and were like, yeah, what's this waste happening? Verse 5, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. That's pretty harsh, right? One of Jesus' followers think, why are you supporting this? This is a waste of money. But notice verse 6, it says, He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of them, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. It kind of gives us a glimpse of Judah, that, uh, of Judas, that maybe we're not familiar with. Verse 7, Jesus responds to Judas, Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews we're going over to Jesus and believing in him. It's one of the incredible things that always strikes me that the hardness of the hearts of the chief priests. I mean, it's in the home of Simon, who's been healed of leprosy. Lazarus is there, who's been raised from the dead. And all they have on their minds in their jealousy is to kill Jesus. <laughs> Instead of like, man, who is this guy? We want to follow him. So let's pray, and then we'll dive in here. Father, I thank you again for your word. These words are life, and they offer us life in Jesus. Father, please open our eyes, every one of us, wherever we're at this morning, to see Jesus and fall in love with him even more. Thank you. Amen. So I want you to imagine that you've had a long, a long day working. And uh, it's nighttime. You're dead tired. 
you can hardly stay awake. And yet, it's been two days since you've seen your fiancé. It's a long time. She lives 40 minutes away. You hate to drive. And when you're driving at night, usually you fall asleep. So it's, it's dangerous. What do you do? You do it, right? <laughs> and, and I did. My wife, my fiancé at the time, um, even though she made me lots of food when I was leaving uh, her, her parents' home, and uh, I would fall asleep many times driving home from Tacoma to Manchester, Washington, almost drove off the road. I mean, it was, it was scary. Um, why did I do it? I mean, because I felt obligated? No way. Because uh, I felt I should show her some sacrifice? <laughs> Not at all. I did it because I loved her, right? I wanted to be with her. Uh, love makes us do crazy things, doesn't it? I mean, if you've been in love, hopefully, hopefully a lot, most, a lot of you have, uh, you've done crazy things. It's made you do crazy things. And why that's so important and why I love this passage is because I think it's important for us to be reminded of that because I think it's easy for us sometimes to think that sacrifice for sacrifice sake is pleasing to God. Did you hear what I said? I think sometimes it's easy for us to think that God just is pleased with sacrifice. And I don't think he is. I think what delights God, what excites God, isn't just people sacrificing, but people that are crazy about his son. And because they're so crazy about his son, they want to do crazy things for his son. And then that it's, it's not sacrifice, it's just love. 1 Corinthians 13, listen to this. It, it says, if I give all I have to the poor, all I possess to the poor, poor all $79.16 to my name. No, if, my, my house, my cars, my motorcycle, ooh, I, you know, everything. I give it to the poor. I liquidate. I give it all to the poor. And I give my body to be, to hardship. Most translations say to be burned. And I think we've seen pictures of students in the past in some Asian countries who set themselves on fire protesting. I mean, if I, if I do that, but notice, do not have love, I gain nothing. I am nothing. God isn't delighted in just sacrifice in hardship and difficulty what delights God is individuals who are crazy about his son and because we're crazy about his son we will do crazy things for him so the question is what sacrifice pleases God it's sacrifice that is rooted in a love for his son 
that'll overflow to others in incredible ways. So we're going to come to John 12 and just a wonderful account of this Lady Mary uh, in verse 3. As we come to her, I'm just going to read verse 3 again here. Notice it says, Mary took a pint of pure nard as Jesus is at this dinner reclining with all these other guests of honor, Jesus being the one it's for. She takes this pint of pure nard an expensive perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Just a couple things I want us to see is, number one, her action. It's really incredible. Number one, she takes this pint of pure nard. Some translations call it spike nard. It's an it's a extremely fragrant uh, perfume from India. Uh, but I want you to notice you know how much a pint is? 16 ounces, right? This is science lesson here. Now, what I've noticed, um, because I don't personally use perfume, you're probably glad to hear that. And I think guys just have this sweetness that oozes from them, you know? We don't... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, but when I've seen ladies use perfume... That was my daughter disagreeing with me here. <laughs> you know, I've seen them. They put a, you know, a finger on the end of a little perfume bottle. These are dinky little bottles, you know, that you're paying a lot of money for. And you just put a little dab on it and one little dab here and maybe a dab there. We're talking a pint. A pint. An expensive perfume. If we look down to verse 5 in Judas's rebuke, notice it was worth a year's wages. This pint of nard is worth whatever you make in a year, a year's wages. Um, this is expensive stuff. And notice what she does. I mean, and, and different commentaries say different things that maybe it was her dowry that was, she was waiting until she'd get married. Uh, maybe it's all of her earthly and material possessions all wrapped up in this one bottle of perfume that's worth a year's wages. But notice she takes it and she pours it on Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair. In Mark 14 and Matthew 26, the parallel passages where you put them all together, in those passages it says she poured it on his head. So, I mean, what we're getting a picture of here is, is a bath, right? A perfume bath where she's pouring this pint on his head and it's dripping down and then she's pouring it on his feet and then she's like prostrate on the ground, wiping his feet with her hair. Now, I don't know if you've been around much perfume, but, you know, you go to a hospital and it, and it asks ladies not to wear perfume because some patients are allergic to it. And that's even just a dab. Imagine, it says the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I mean, how it's just overwhelming Jesus as it's like encompassing his body. And as she's on her face at his feet, this incredible outpouring of love and as 
as all these important people, the whole village is watching. It's like she's, she's making a fool out of herself. She's just so crazy in love with Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful picture? Why, why is she doing that? I mean, I think everybody else is saying, what is going on? Well, one obvious reason is her brother Lazarus was just raised from the dead, right? She's pretty excited about that. But I think it, it's even more clear than that as we come to the end. And, and, and just to review John just a little bit, it's like she gets what all of Jesus' disciples who have been following him for three years and, and all these other people follow what what they hear but they don't get as, as she in her mind has heard in John 8 when Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. And she knows she's in the presence of I am. Yahweh, God, the creator of the universe, who in John 10 said he was the light of the world and who in John, in John 9 said he was the light of the world and John 10 said, I am the good shepherd and I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. And she got that. She got that this one that she's prostrating before and who said, I am, also said, and I'm going to lay down my life for you. So that in John 11, the chapter just before this one, he would go on and say, because I'm the resurrection and the life. And as I lay down my life for you, I'm going to give you life, life forever, life eternal. And she's just overwhelmed. by love for this one. If we can go to the next, the next slide. Notice Jesus' response in verse 7. I think it, it helps us to understand as Jesus says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. I think this pint of nard, which she intended was going to be part of the burial spices that, you know, to to wipe out the smell of the the decaying body. What she was going to use six days later as she reflected, as Jesus is reclining there and, and she reflected on him being who he is. He's the I am. The I am who's going to give his life for her in six days and then going to come back to life and give her life everlasting. She, in, a, in an impulse, she grabs her pint of nard and she, an alabaster jar and she breaks its neck and she dumps it on Jesus saying, you're my everything. You're my everything. I'm giving you everything as others are saying what a waste she's this is this is me you're my everything and i'm giving you my everything i wonder how how would we respond would would we respond like mary jesus you're my everything well we see judas's response in verse 4 Um, it's like immediately he rebukes Jesus. And like I said, the other disciples are going to chime in. Um, 
what does this tell us about Judas? Uh, he says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. But he said this not because he really cared about the poor, but because he's a thief and he was stealing money out of the money bag. Well, it tells us a couple of things. One, it tells us he's a thief, <laughs> which is helpful because I think maybe some of us have wrestled in the past like, why did he... Why did he betray Jesus, this one who, whom he followed for three years? The incredible thing, not only was he a thief, but, but it seems like that was the only reason he was following after Jesus. And in the Matthew and Mark passages, immediately after this story, do you know what Judas goes and does? He goes and betrays Jesus. Immediately after this story, it says he, he goes to the chief priest to turn Jesus in. Why? Because he's going to lose his cash cow. He realizes all of a sudden that, 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 that the profit he was getting from Jesus is about ready to end. And he doesn't have any use for Jesus anymore, the man that he's just using. Um, what does it tell us? Kind of as an aside... Notice it, it, it also tells us something about philanthropy. Number one, be careful because people who say they care about the poor aren't always about the poor. And we've, if you follow the news, there's often accounts of nonprofits that are embezzling funds. I, I learned this kind of in a, in a funny way, but a hard way when we had a forum, a Coffee Oasis forum in Belfair where the community was invited to come and, and uh, begin a capital campaign to raise money to bring a Coffee Oasis to Mason County. And kind of being a person that can joke sometimes, uh, I in joking said, and the money you give, you don't have to worry that I'm going to use it to buy a yacht. Sounds pretty innocent, right? Except I found out afterwards that the director of a nonprofit in Belfer had done that very thing. They had <laughs> absconded money and bought a yacht with it. Be careful how you joke. What does it tell us about philanthropy? People who say they care about the poor not necessarily care about the poor. could be about them. The other thing it says, and we're going to see Jesus following up with this, is that generosity is, first of all, a matter of the heart. It it, it isn't a matter of those you're caring about and reaching out to, first of all, because they can be uncaring and they can be unkind and, and it can be ugly and nasty because generosity has to start with the heart. And so we see Jesus's response in verses 7 and 8. And, you know, Jesus' first response is really, verse 7, back off. (laughs) Leave her alone. She gets me like nobody else gets me. She gets me who I am and that what I'm going to do for her in a few days is going to bring her forgiveness and life and hope everlasting. She gets me. Notice Jesus says, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial, but but she couldn't wait. She was so overcome 
with our love for him. And the second thing is, kind of like I said, generosity doesn't then begin with caring about the poor, but with a crazy love for Jesus. You know, we started the Coffee Oasis because we realized God's love for us and we wanted to overflow that to other people. Um, if you if you're caring about others is focused on them, there's going to be times where you're not going to care about them because it's hard to care. But if our caring for others flows out of a crazy love for Jesus, it's not going to seem like sacrifice because it's for him who has given his all for us and therefore deserves our all. So the question is, as we kind of end up, how do we become such extravagant lovers like Mary? Man, she is such a crazy lover of Jesus. I want to end by just reading three scriptures for you and then sharing David Livingston's testimony, Missionary to Africa, and then a song that I think really captures Mary's love for Jesus and Jesus' love for us. So 2 Corinthians 8, just follow along with me. This is Paul writing to the Macedonian churches, and he says, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You see these folks? Extreme poverty, severe trial, and in the midst of that, rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. I mean, they're just crazy. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, which was taking an offering for our brothers and sisters going through a famine. And, and they're begging these people who are extremely poor to be helping their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Why did they do this? Verse 9, because they knew the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Almighty God, creator of the universe, yet for our sakes he became poor, became like us, went to the cross so that through his poverty we might become rich. We might have life through his death. Man, that's something to be crazy about, isn't it? And then a parallel passage um, in Luke chapter 7. Follow along. It's a similar scenario, but it's a totally different scenario. Uh, A Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house. The Pharisee's name happens to also be Simon, but he's not Simon the leper. He's Simon the Pharisee. And a woman in that town, uh, she's unnamed. She's not Mary. It's a totally different scenario, but it's similar because here she is. She's an adulteress. She's a prostitute. It doesn't say she lived a sinful life. 
learning that Jesus was at this Pharisee's house, she comes to him with this an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with his, her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She kissed them. She poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, notice he's, he's thinking to himself, if this guy were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she's a sinner. And he wouldn't let it happen. That's what this Pharisee's thinking. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, that was Simon's mistake. (laughs) And Jesus goes on, he says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii. A denarii was a day's wages, so 500 days wages. The other 50, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, the answer was obvious, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. And then the punchline, Jesus turns toward the woman and says to Simon, and and you catch that, It's, it's beautiful. Often we would turn towards the important person and talk about the woman, right? Jesus turns to the woman while he's talking to Simon. It's beautiful. And looking at her, he says to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, which would have been polite, the custom of the day. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, which would have been the custom of the day. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. 47, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. You see that? And that's, that's the same as Mary. Just this this crazy outpouring of love. I mean, all of her possessions, her dowry, whatever it was, everything was this outpouring of love shows that they've got, they understand their sins have been forgiven. They got a home in heaven. When before they were foreigners, now they're citizens of the king. They're sons and daughters. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. One more verse, 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. Paul, as he's about ready to die, he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Other translations say, who have loved his appearing, looked forward to his appearing. Are you, are we so in love with Jesus? (laughs) Do do we get what Mary got? Are Are we just loving, looking forward to his appearing? It, it, It reminded me of, Cindy, 
being out at at night and I'm home and I'm waiting for her to come home and um, and she's later than I expected her to be and I'm starting to get anxious, I'm starting to worry. And she's still gone and you know, this isn't a curfew, right? She's not late for she's not late for curfew. But it's it's because I love her and I'm I'm longing for her to come home and she's not home and I'm I'm looking forward to her coming home. Do we look forward to Jesus coming to bring us home in the same way? Do we have that crazy love like Mary for Jesus? Here is what David Livingston, missionary to Africa, said to a group of university students on December 4th, 1857, about leaving the benefits of England. And this is what he said. He poured out his life in Africa, ended up dying in Africa. For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such a task, being a missionary to Africa. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward in healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought, it is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then while foregoing the common conveniences and gifts of this life may make us pause, may cause our spirits to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. He got it. He got the incredible love like Mary did that Jesus had poured out on her and she just poured back out on him. So this is a song I love because it captures Mary's love for Jesus and Jesus' love for us and really calls us to that same extravagant love. One day a plain village woman Driven by love for her Lord recklessly poured out a valuable lesson disregarding the scroll once it was broken fragrant 
the room like a prisoner released from his shackles like a spirit set free from the tomb broken and spilled out just for love Precious treasure.
Jesus, thank you for your incredible love. Oh, how you loved us. Open our eyes to see your love and just become crazy lovers of you like Mary. Amen.